The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very, very much. It's an honor for our family to be here. We decided some years ago, and of course you can tell that our family's grown. I don't have any little children anymore, and uh, except for David, and uh, he's the smallest <laughs> of the bunch, but uh, weight-wise. But anyway, we decided some years ago that we would, uh, a couple of them had never flown, and so my ship, one of my ships that I was in the Navy was down at uh, San Diego, the USS Midway, and I was on board that ship eons ago, and so we decided to fly down there and take a look at it and go to San Diego and San Francisco and and LA, and we did that in 2016, December 2016. So we decided to, to spend Christmas, and this is our Christmas gift, and that's what we're doing here now, and this time we decided to come to Texas and uh, see parts that I had never seen. Uh, I had been to Corpus Christi many years ago, been down to the Roloff uh, Homes Ministry down there, and so I, I knew a little bit about that, but I had never been to San Antonio uh, and loved it. I mean, I really like that place. And uh, they've done a good job there and a lot of things to see. And uh, remember the Alamo, amen. You can always say that. Remember the Alamo. Me and Dr. Howells used to be preaching and every now and then he'd get going and he'd say, amen, hallelujah, remember the Alamo. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so we went there and then we came up through Waco and saw your where your rangers started or hung out and headquartered or whatever. and uh, But you know, I never did see my, uh, uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> and they, they told me that, and I said, well, look behind you. <laughs> you. They ain't with me, preacher. They're not with me. You never heard that beautiful voice, Chuck Norris, sing uh, when you're in Texas, the look behind you, the rangers back there. Amen. And so, uh, worse singer. He's worse than I am. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, we enjoyed that. So we couldn't come without coming up here. And so we've been looking forward to this time. Had a great time yesterday and, and coming in and then uh, doing the soul winning thing. And then uh, doing the uh, Sunday school this morning. Brother Butler's class. And we just, we love you folks. You're our kind of people. Uh, we greet you from from the great state of Georgia and Alabama. We're right on the line. So I was born in Alabama and raised in Georgia, and uh, but uh, roll tide, amen. And uh, go ahead, don't don't give me none of this. I mean, you know, is it three or two? And I know all about you hook 'em horns, but uh, anyway, but we love it here and. And we've had a good time. And uh, we uh, just uh, appreciate your pastor and uh, what you do. Let me say this about the ministry. Uh, we have uh, Barnes Evangelistic Ministry, and uh, which is going out, preaching, traveling, doing some other things, doing a little bit of publishing and, and uh, CDs and things like that. And then seven years ago, God gave us the radio ministry. And uh, right now, the radio ministry, we have the local station and uh, there in, in West Georgia. And it reaches, I was telling the preacher today, about 70 miles 
is, is the diameter uh, that it covers and each way. And so the Lord's really blessed it. It's amazing to me. And don't let the world tell you, don't let people tell you that uh, what you have here and this kind of music and this kind of preaching, nobody likes it anymore. That excuse my language, but that's hogwash. Amen. Just pure old teetotal hogwash. Amen. And so the Lord's blessed the radio. Uh, it, we're going right now by way of internet into over 270 countries that we know are listening. Now there's more than that, but uh, they can get it anywhere they can get the internet. But we know of 270 that have contacted. We know that many. And so uh, your pastor doesn't know this, but he preaches all over the world and all over the state of Georgia uh, about every 10 days to two weeks. And so we try to keep him busy. Amen. And we want that kind of preaching going out, this kind of music. And we love y'all and appreciate uh, being here tonight. It's a real honor for all of us. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And uh, <laughs> I have a, the message this morning about stress was indeed <clears throat> a great message and a needful message, getting down to where people live day in and day out. But uh, I have a, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, and let me see if I can find it here. First of all, my wife wrote it down and told me I better tell you this or I'm in trouble. And so I don't want to be in trouble. And, uh, but I didn't know if you'd heard about my holiday stress diet. Anybody ever heard of a holiday stress diet? Well, the following diet's designed to help you cope with the stress, paranoia, depression, delusions, that build during the holidays. First of all, breakfast. You start off with a half grapefruit, one slice of whole wheat toast, and an eight-ounce glass of skim milk. That's breakfast. Lunch, four ounces of lean broiled chicken, and then uh, one cup of steamed spinach, one cup of herb tea, and uh, an Oreo cookie. One. <laughs> In the afternoon, here's what you, the diet changes to. You eat the rest of the Oreo cookies. <laughs> Two pints of Rocky Road ice cream, nuts, cherries, whipped cream, one jar of hot fudge sauce, and then at night you have two loaves of garlic bread, four cans or one large pitcher of Coke, uh, one large sausage mushroom and cheese pizza, three Snickers bars. And then uh, at uh, late night snack, you eat an entire frozen Sara Lee cheesecake. Okay. But now wait a minute. There, there is some rules. There is some rules. And we have to go by the rules. Amen. And here are the rules that you need to remember as you do this. Number one, if you let something, uh, if you eat something and no one else sees you eat it, it has no calories. <laughs> if you drink a Diet Coke with a candy bar, here's how it works. The calories in the candy bar are canceled by the Diet Coke. When you eat with someone else, calories don't count, 
if uh, you don't eat more than they do. <laughs> now, I like this part. I like this one especially. If you fatten up everyone else around you, then you look thinner. <laughs> I, I like that. I can go for that. Amen. Number five, cookie pieces. Now, listen, cookie pieces, this makes sense. Contains no calories. The process of breaking causes calorie leakage. <laughs> Number six, things licked off knives and spoons have no calories if you're in the process of preparing something. <laughs> Number seven, food that, uh, foods that have the same color have the same number of calories, always. Everybody knows that, such as spinach and pistachio ice cream, <laughs> mushrooms and mashed potatoes. Yeah. Now, let me remind you of this, uh, number eight, Chocolate is a universal color. It may be substituted for any other food color. <laughs> Number nine, anything consumed while standing has no calories. Now think about it. This is scientific, folks. Now come on. This is due to gravity and the density of the calorie mass. Amen? Number 10, anything consumed from someone else's plate has no calories since the calories rightfully belong to the other person. <laughs> and it will cling to his or her plate. We all know that calories like to cling. Amen. <laughs> and remember this, and I close with this. Not the message. <laughs> Here it is. Stressed spells desserts backwards amen <laughs> stressed always remembered when you're stressed it's dessert time amen acts chapter 11 verse 19 look at it with me if you will and they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about stephen traveled as far as phoenice and cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come uh, to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. Amen. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Excuse me. I lost my place. The hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, and was glad and exhorted them, all that were uh, with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. For, it was, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas and, uh, to Tarshish for to seek salt. And when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church that taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. 
Christians first in Antioch. I want to speak to you a few minutes tonight on the subject of identity theft. Identity theft. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Word of God. How real, how alive, how effective it is, dear God. And tonight I pray you'd fill me with our Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray you'd give me the words to say to these dear people that have come to your house to hear, not me, but the Word of God. Do something special in our midst, dear God, and speak to our hearts, and your will be done in every life and every heart. And if there's one here tonight not saved, may they come to Jesus tonight and be born again. Get it settled tonight before they leave, before they, yea, go to bed tonight. May they know they're on their way to heaven. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Notice in verse 11, we find the words, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now think about it with me for just a minute. A few weeks ago, I thought about this idea, <coughs> and I jotted this message down that I want to share with you tonight because uh, it's a troubling fact to me as I travel around and go for, from independent Baptist church to independent Baptist church. And I find that our churches in many cases are leaving the old paths and leaving the fundamentals of the faith. And they're going in different directions and doing things that they once would not have done. And so tonight I want to share this message with you about identity, identity theft. Where is it all coming from? What's it all about? Is it happening to you? Is it happening to me? Now let me mention this just by way of knowledge. This was accomplished or approximately eight years after Pentecost when this verse and this section of Scripture was written. They were called Christians. Later we find the word Christian only used three times in the Bible. Now stay with me just a minute. You'll see where we're going. <clears throat> we find the word Christian used by King Agrippa. You're familiar with it, I'm sure, over in Acts 26, verse 28. And King Agrippa, with Paul standing before him in the court, says to Paul, he said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's the second time. Then the last record we find is all the way over in 1 Peter 4, verse 16, where the word Christian is used when Peter wrote it like this, And if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now, in all of these three places, just three mere places, we find the word Christian means exactly the same thing in all three places. It simply means, now get this down tonight, get it down, a follower of Christ. That's what it means. Looking back at the first time the word was used, we can understand and believe that someone selected. I have no idea. The Lord, whoever, it says in Antioch, you read it, they were called Christians first in Antioch. I have no idea who came up with that name and that word and said, let's call these folks that follow Christ Christians. I don't know, but it started there. And someone selected that. And they used it for what reason? What purpose? They used it, now listen to me, to identify those people who were following Christ. Amen. 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 
followers of Christ were labeled Christians. Now, obviously, these followers of Christ were, we'd have to call it like this, they were, listen to me now, identifiable. You could tell. They looked different than other people. They acted different than other people. They talked different than other people. They were different. No, no, I didn't say better. I didn't say sinless, none of that. I just simply said, listen to me, they were different. So someone came up with the idea to call them Christians. Even in the palaces of the great governments of Rome, the halls of government, the word Christian was known as something to identify those people that followed another king by the name of Jesus Christ. Even in the halls of Roman government. Many years later, all the way from Babylon, the apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The word Christian, listen, by this time, over in 1 Peter, when uh, Peter wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the word Christian had become so common in that day that I suppose everyone knew what a Christian was supposed to be. Don't you think? Can I use this word? Do you reckon? Amen. I think that they knew. They knew in this day. We find it in the Word of God. And they knew that a Christian was somebody different. Somebody that followed Christ. But you know what? Sad to say in our day. Somewhere between then and now, the Word's not too important anymore. You know it's not, and I know it's not. We've lost the real meaning of the word, and even to us, it has become unimportant, and the meaning has become a word, and you know this is true, which could mean anyone that believes anything in America. <laughs> May I say right here, all Christians now, buckle your seatbelt, don't go anywhere. Buckle your seatbelt because I'm going to say something and I want to clarify it, so don't, don't leave me here. May I say right here, all Christians are saved people. But may I say too that I wonder, are all saved people really Christians? Now they may be Christians, and I thought about this, by definition... They've been saved. They're supposed to be a follower of, a, of Christ. But how about description and not just definition? What am I saying? All Christians are saved people. But are all saved people really Christians? We live in a world of advanced technology today. When I was a boy, I grew up in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. My dad moved us from Alabama over there when I was just a kid, just a little boy, even not in school yet. And I found out real soon in Atlanta, Georgia, they have a college downtown in Atlanta that's been there a long, long time. As a matter of fact, the Heisman Trophy came out of that college. 
And I was always amazed that this particular college there in the center of Atlanta was not called the University of Georgia. It was not called the University of Alabama. It was not called the University of anything. You know what it was called in the name of it even unto this day? The Georgia Institute of Technology. They called it Georgia Tech. You see, technology has exploded in our world. Now we have cell phones and personal computers and many other devices that make life easier and supposedly faster and supposedly more efficient. However, in accomplishing this to do that, we've created a world of limited, and you know it's true, limited privacy. More social connecting and open personal information. In the fact of doing all these technological advancements through the social media world, we have opened up ourselves to what we now call, and it's in the dictionary, didn't always be in there, but it is now, identity theft. The Webster's Collegian Dictionary simply says that identity theft, if you look it up, it means the illegal use of someone else's personal information, such as a social security number or whatever, in order to obtain money or credit. This definition's all right, but the Christian has been in danger. Listen to me. <laughs> the Christian has been in danger of identity theft since before the Word was even in the Holy Scriptures. Since Adam and Eve, Satan is busy all day and every day working to steal the identity of the Christian. I'll tell you why I know that, because our Word settled in heaven. And John 10, 10 is settled in heaven, been written down since time began, since God. And John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it, that you might have it more abundantly. If you ever do any soul winning, knocking on doors, asking people about salvation, most everyone you talk to will say, I'm a Christian. People even believe that if you live in America, you must be a Christian because after all, America is a Christian nation. The word Christian has become generic. It fits anything. But it doesn't matter if we're talking about King Agrippa or talking about today. Everyone, now listen to me, everyone knows what a Christian is supposed to be like. Think about it. I want to ask you this. Are you a Christian? Or am I a Christian? Remember, the devil is a thief. What does a thief do? He steals. And if need be, he will kill even to accomplish his stealing habits. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus was beginning his earthly ministry, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The devil came at Jesus three different ways. What was the devil trying to do? You know, and I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to discredit Jesus. He was trying to ruin his testimony and stop his influence on this earth for righteousness. He wanted to steal Jesus' ministry from him. Yeah. 
And believe you me, he will steal your ministry from you and me. And he'll rob us of our identity as a Christian and take away any influence that we can have on this world for the gospel and for righteousness' sake and for heaven. He'll kill the effect of the gospel by identity theft in your life and my life. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sorry to say today, I've watched in, in, since I've been in the ministry, and I know some pastors as well as others that have had their identity stolen. And they're, now they're not even in the ministry anymore. Anyone can call themselves a Christian, but we all know, come on now, tell me, tell me, come on, come on. We all know what a Christian's supposed to be like. And I'm not saying a Christian's a, a perfect person. There's only one that was perfect, and that's Jesus. But we all know the identification marks of a real true Christian. When we're at home, sometimes David will go out and do a little bit of plumbing work, pick up a little extra money on the side, and he does some work and does a little service work for people that we know in different ones, and they'll call him, and he'll go out and do some things. But wouldn't it be strange to call for a plumber to come to your house, and that plumber walks in, and, and you, your tub is leaking, you can't get it to stop, and it's just running water all the time. And he walks in and says, you know, I, I'm a plumber. I'm in the plumbing business, but I don't work on tubs. I just work on water heaters. Or I just work on kitchen sinks. Well, you'd look at him and say, well, you're not much of a plumber, are you? Why don't you find something else to do? I, I, I used to play a little bit of golf. I don't play golf now, but I used to. Used to try to work at it because I wanted to do my best. But I have played with some golfers. I played with some fellas. I had Dr. Curtis Hudson's grandson, Kurt. I have got in a tournament with Kurt. And uh, he's a young fella, young enough to be my son. I don't know about grandson, but my son. And he is a real pro. And Kurt can hit that ball and make it go up make it go down, make it go line drive, make it run, make it stop, make it back up, make it go right, make it go left. And it's fun just to get on the golf course and watch him. You know why? Because he's got all the shots. Amen? I mentioned Alabama football. Well, I got news for you. I coached football in the Christian school for 10 years and uh, in high school football and uh, you can't win a national championship unless you got the whole game you, you got to play defense you got to play offense huh you, you, you got to be able to kick the ball make a field goal once in a while if you need to if you're going to win a national championship what I'm saying is this a real Christian should do it all don't leave me you see, when we're saved, when we're born again, we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now we have the Holy Spirit of God living in our soul, in our hearts, 
And we have a new identity. And we're not the same person that we were. Can't be. It's impossible if you're born again. One of the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us Christian character. Amen. And what it is to do right and do what God teaches in His Word. I've met some people that have a lot of character and they're not even saved. That's good, but it's not best. I think I might even heard your preacher say this on the radio, and, and uh, I don't know if I did or not, but I'm going to say it because I've been hearing it for 40 years. Someone said it like this, good, better, best. Never rest until your good is your better and your better is your best. Amen. That's in accordance with the Word of God. It may not be wordy just like that, but the principle's there. Do with thy hand all you can. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. It's good to have moral character, but it's best to have Christian character. Amen. It's good to go to work hard and, and work hard and be dependable, but it's best to go to church every week too. Amen. It's good to pay your bills on time, but it's best to tithe. It's good to teach your children right from wrong, but it's best to have family devotion and teach them about God. It's good to feed the hungry and care for the homeless, but it's best to win souls to Christ. It's good to avoid bad habits, but it's best to do things that glorify God. You see, when we're saved and determined in our hearts that we're going to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, we'll find ourselves running a bus route and picking up someone else's children bringing them to church we may even find ourselves singing in the choir remember you can't even know anything about God without the Holy Spirit he'll reveal God to us he will teach us righteousness and spiritual Things The Bible says in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You see, the devil can't stop the Holy Spirit from living in the believer. He can't stop that. So you know what he'll do? <clears throat> Listen to me, young people. <clears throat> he'll try to steal your identity. He doesn't want us to look, act, and talk like a Christian. The devil is the world's most diabolical hacker. <laughs> Has he or is he now committing identity theft on you? Maybe you've been uh, on a job and there's someone there that you've worked with for some time and every day you see and they see how you act and how you talk and how you look and then later you find out, they find out and you find out about them even that the, uh, he's a deacon and, can't, and you can't believe it. You say, you're kidding. Really? Now what's happened? I'll tell you exactly what's happened. The devil has come along and stolen his identity. Let me give you three tricks that the devil uses to steal your identity and my identity as a Christian. Number one is this right here. 
misplace our priorities. Misplaced priorities. You see, the life of a Christian is a life of priorities. We're instructed all through the Bible to have the right priorities. Remember what Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Colossians 1, 18. He's the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn that, uh, of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, proper, right priorities. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we read of the priorities of Solomon. And how that, what did he do? He wanted wisdom first. And God blessed him and gave him riches and honor and wisdom. But he wanted wisdom first to lead God's people. 1 Timothy 4, 8, The body, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that, that which is to come. Priority simply means knowing what's important in life and what's not? What are your priorities? Your priorities will determine your values. Christians are identified by their values. And that comes from your priorities. I'm sure you remember the example of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. They had misplaced priorities. You see, they sure didn't look or act like a Christian. The devil stole their identity. I think of another one in the, the good man, King David. A man after God's own heart. And you know what happened to David? He got his priorities wrong. You think it can't happen to you or to me? He got his priorities wrong. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he even had her husband killed. At that point in his life, no one in the world. I wonder what the general of the army would have thought what kind of Christian David was. You know what happened? Identity theft. The devil came along and stole David's identity. He didn't look like a Christian. What would this world be like without priorities? 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. The word order here means simply, it means, look it up, priorities. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Notice the priorities mentioned here. He says, first of all, then he says, he, uh, and he's talking about Jesus, was buried, and then he rose again the third day. The very gospel has priorities to it. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. What would the burial be like without a death? There's a priority. There's a system there. There's an order in which it's done. Everyone, whether saved or unsaved, have priorities. Do they line up with the Word of God? You see, the idea that Christian priorities better line up with God. I talked to a pastor just the other day, and he's changing his schedule. He's changing some things in his church. And I didn't want to pin him down or be ugly to him, but I wondered how many of our ball fields out here would take their time and build it around the people that's coming. No, they say the ball game's going to start at 7.15. It starts at 7.15. They don't alter it for anybody. You see, the Christian life is a life of priorities. How is your priorities? Getting baptized soon after salvation becomes a priority. 
You see, going to church when the doors are open becomes priority. You don't just go when you feel like it. Tithes and offerings become priority. Winning others to Christ becomes priority. Helping other Christians becomes priority. The devil will do everything he can to cause us to misplace our priorities. Young people, you listen to me. If you ever mess up in your life, it's going to be because you got your priorities wrong. You misuse them. Misplace priorities. And then the second thing, let me give you real quick, misuse of our protection. Oh, I see this all the time. Listen to me. How can the devil steal your identity because of a misuse of protection that we have? Huh? What does that mean? We're taught in the Bible that the Christian is to be a good what? Good soldier. You have never seen a, sol a soldier that wasn't also expected to be a warrior. Brother Roloff even said it like this. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game. Every Christian soldier has to have protection. God sees to it that we have it. I'm not going to read it all to you, but in Ephesians 6, verses 10, all the way down through verse 18, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Does that sound like protection to you? 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare... Those are weapons mentioned right there in Ephesians chapter 6. And he says about that, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen to me. Look up here. Listen to me just a minute. Have you misused your protection that God's given you? Well, when you do that, you're in danger of identity theft. The devil will come along and steal it from you. What protection am I talking about? First of all, let me just, and I jotted these down. I'm sure you could probably add some more. The blessed Holy Spirit. Do you ever care what the Holy Spirit thinks? Do you ever check with Him? Do you ever let Him lead? Do you get out of the way and let Him have His way? Not only that, that's our protection, but then another protector that we have in our life is the Word of God. How well do you know the Word of God? Well, I got news for you. If you don't know the Word of God, then you're in danger. Not only that, but prayer. That's a protector, prayer. Not only that, but church. I'm amazed at people. I've never known a good Christian that didn't go to church. <laughs> never, never, never. You see, the church is your protector. What's another one? Now watch this. The pastor and pastors. Leaders in the church. Sunday school teachers, your Sunday school teachers. You know what they're there for? You know why God did it like that? And we misuse our protection all the time because we don't use it the right way. And the devil comes along and makes us look like anything but a Christian. We've lost our identity because we won't follow what God said. Other believers. And then let me give you the last one here that I jotted down, and you can check this out. How about angels? Angels are our protectors. If a Christian doesn't make proper use of your protection, then we can't blame anyone but ourselves when identity theft happens to us. Let me ask you today, do you know your Bible? 
I know the Bible says in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened in me. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Proverbs 1, 33, for whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Protection. The lost man can't enjoy this kind of protection, but the devil comes to tempt us and cause us to misuse our protection. Then let me give you the third one, and I'll stop. Here it is. We misread. Now watch. We misread our parentage. We misread our parentage. Yeah, you heard it right. We would do well to always remember that God is our Father. When you're saved, you're born into God's family, not before. Now we have a royal family. And you know what? We need to live like we belong to God. Sometimes identity theft will happen because we have forgotten who the Heavenly Father is and he's always there to help us no matter what may come our way. In Luke 11, 1 through 4, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And what did he say? He said, first thing, our Father, which art in heaven. Amen. You see, when we're saved, a new relationship begins. And now we can call him Father. I think sometimes the devil's most dangerous trick is to get us to misread our parentage and forget what family we belong to. We don't know what family. We get lost. We forget confused. If the devil can get us to do this, it won't be long and we won't look like a Christian anymore. We'll lose our identity. My earthly father, Lee Barnes, was a drunkard. I hate to say that, but he was. And I love my dad. When he was uh, sober, he was the best man I knew. But you know what? I never called on him at any time that he didn't come through for me. My dad was the oldest of 12 children. And may I say, I grew up with most of my uncles and my aunts. And I'm proud to be called my father's son. Are you proud to be called God's child? I wouldn't dare want to bring dishonor to my father's name. I, want to, I, I don't want to disappoint him in any way. I, I want uh, to, uh, him to know that I'm proud to be his son, and I don't want to do anything to hurt him or make him look bad. How much more can we say our Heavenly Father, I want to keep my Christian identity because I want you to be proud of me. Do you want God to be proud of you? Romans 8, verse 15, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God is the creator of all, but only Father to those that are in His family. I want to read my parentage right over and over again. I don't want to forget it. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and watch this, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God help us never to let the devil cause us to misread or forget 
who we belong to, our parentage, whose name is on your spiritual birth certificate. I think about a song that a lady by the name of Cindy Walker wrote, and I close with this. Here's the song. Once I was clothed in the rags of my sin, wretched and poor, lost and lonely within, but with a wondrous compassion, the king of all kings in pity and love took me under his wing. Now I'm a child with a heavenly home. My holy father hath made it me his own. And I'm cleansed by his blood, clothed in his love. And someday I'll sing with the angels above. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins. And I who was wretched and poor now can sing. Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king. May all of us here tonight do a little inventory and determine that we're not going to let the devil steal our identity. Now, you're going to go out of here tonight, probably go to work tomorrow, go back to the same old places, and what are you going to act like? Could they honestly call you a Christian, a follower of Christ? The devil will come along and cause you to misplace your priorities, misuse your protection, and misread our parentage. I hope tonight we all decide, look, I'm a Christian. I'm not talking about being proud in the wrong way, but I'm talking about just simply saying, I want to look like he wants me to. Talk, hey, th this thing of rules and clothing and all that baloney, you know, somebody says that, told me a long time ago, I was out on my bus route, and somebody said, well, brother, I don't have a suit to wear to church. And, and I wasn't on my bus route in a suit, but he knew I wore a suit to church. And he said, I don't have a, a suit to wear to church. And I said, well, I tell you what, I won't get mad at you for not wearing one if you won't get mad at me for wearing one. <laughs> Amen. But I, I, I don't mind the, the right haircut. Huh? I, I don't mind wearing a, a, a shirt and a tie and dressing up. I, I want the Father to be pleased. Amen? God help us not to let the devil get in and steal our identity. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.